Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Father, we believe that, that you take what's broken and raise new life from where death is. It's why we gather every week. It's why we sing. It's why we open your word. It's why we take communion. It's why we leave this place to go and take that message into the world. We believe uh, you bring life out of death and brokenness. And so may our hearts believe that a little bit more as we leave this morning. And I pray my words now would lead to that end. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Uh, Well, my name is uh, Tim, and I serve as one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that you're here with us uh, this morning, which is going to be a little bit of a unique uh, morning this morning, uh, what we're calling All Abilities Sunday. And we're changing that name from a year ago. I don't like the word disability, uh, because that seems like some of us have disabilities and others of us don't. We all have our own disabilities. And so we welcome and gather as a church of people of all abilities. And you're welcome here, no matter what your abilities are as, as you come in. Um, and this morning's important to me because uh, I don't just speak as, as the pastor here, but as I speak as, as one of the families uh, that attends here that has uh, our own special needs as a part of, of who we are. Um, and so we want to talk about that uh, this morning, what it means to be a church of all abilities. So my story uh, to into this began in uh, March of uh, 2017, a Monday morning. It's my normal uh, Monday routine. I was at Planet Fitness working out, and I got a call uh, from one of our, our son's doctors. And the message uh, was very strange. This is not an emergency. Call me immediately. It was from his neurologist, and uh, you've ever, if you've ever interacted with a neurologist, they can be strange people. Um, if you are a neurologist, I'm sorry, but what I said was true. <laughs> and so I called him and, and said, hey, you know, this is Tim, and, and I'm Isaiah's father. And he said, basically repeats himself, hey, I need you to go and get uh, blood work done on Isaiah today. It's not an emergency, but go today. Do you understand the instructions I'm giving to you? It's just a weird phone call. And, and so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling. Do I ask the question, what are we testing for? And so I ask, and he gives me the answer, which was Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And when he answered, it was like, I'm pretty sure that's bad, but I don't know what that is. And that began the journey we've been on since, uh, since that March day in, in 2017. And that day forever changed the way I view God and forever changed the way I view the church. And so we want to talk about that this morning. And I want to talk about that two headings. One is the ministry of Jesus to people of all abilities. And then secondly, your ministry to people of all abilities. Uh, so first, the ministry of Jesus to people of all abilities. So Duchenne, uh, what that diagnosis means is if you were to go to Planet Fitness later today and work out, 
Your muscles would break down, and one of the things your body would do is produce dystrophin so that your body, uh, your muscles came back stronger um, instead of weaker when you were done working out. Uh, well, with boys who have Duchenne, when they're done working out or when they, their muscles break down, their bodies don't produce dystrophin, and so it's a degenerative disease where their muscles get weaker and weaker over time. That's uh, when my son doesn't walk anymore. And it's the most common uh, terminal diagnosis that's given to children, primarily boys. So obviously, like, I had some questions about God. That up until that point, my uh, understanding of the universe did not include Duchenne. Now it had to, and the nice Bible verses people tried to give us in that time, the nice words they tried to speak weren't enough. So I had to do my own Work And there were two texts that really helped me as I processed this new world. And the first was one we read earlier, Matthew 11, verses 2 through 5. And this text helped me because it's describing John the Baptist's faith crisis. And John the Baptist is a pretty good guy. This is what Jesus says about John the Baptist. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen No one greater than John the Baptist. That's pretty high praise from Jesus. And yet John has a moment of crisis. John's been arrested because Herod Antipas, an unjust, immoral ruler, had married his brother's wife, which was totally wrong, and John the Baptist confronted him about it, called him to repentance. Herod doesn't repent and puts John in prison instead. And so here's John, the greatest one born among women, in prison because of some unjust, petty ruler who's a wicked man. John must be thinking, I thought I was the one that was going to initiate the Messiah's kingdom into the world, and I'm languishing in prison. And so he sends messengers to Jesus to clarify the situation. And this is what we read happens. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So the two things that stood, about this, stood out about this text to me, one is the last thing Jesus says. Blessed is the one who's not offended because of me. You and I have so much we could be offended to God about. There's so much wrong in this world. For me, it's primarily my son's diagnosis. It's hard to understand God allows a world with, a world with Duchenne in it. But you have your things, things that have happened in your life, a disease you have. Maybe you're someone who comes in uh, with your own special ability or special need. And you wonder, why did God make a world with this in it? 
For John the Baptist, it was, why am I in prison? Point being, all of us have so many reasons to be offended by God, and Jesus just, just says it. Blesses the one who can get past that and into faith. And that's his word to John the Baptist saying, you're not getting out of prison. The way you're going to know I'm the Messiah is not because I'm going to get you out of prison. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So that's the first thing that helped me. Okay, Jesus, he gets it. He sees. I could be offended at him. (laughs) Things happen in this world that are wrong. But the second thing that helped me was the other thing Jesus says, which is, hey, go and tell John what you do see. And what do the messengers of John see Jesus doing? Well, they see him healing the blind so they can see, healing the deaf so they can hear, healing the lame so they can walk, and healing lepers so they can leave the leper colony and come back into the, into the community. That what Jesus does is say, John, the proof that I'm the Messiah is how people with special needs receive me and encounter me. Proof that I'm the Messiah is that special needs people uniquely get welcomed back into the kingdom of God. Welcome back into the world to be healed. And to me, with a son who I knew one day and now cannot walk, the idea that had, had Isaiah lived when Jesus walked this earth, that Jesus would have made Isaiah the proof of his Messiahship, that was pretty powerful for me. So that's ministry, Jesus' ministry to people of all abilities. They are the proof. He is who he said he was. When they encounter the kingdom of God, they're the unique evidence that Jesus is our Messiah. So, second, what is your ministry to people of all abilities? The second text that really helped me was Mark chapter 2, and it's a a well-known story, so you don't need to turn there, I'll just tell it, but it's a man we're told is a paralytic. He's on a a stretcher. He can't walk, and so uh, they want to take him to Jesus, and so they, they get to Jesus, but Jesus is in a house, and there's lots of people in there, so they can't get in the house with their friend. This was the first issue of ADA accessibility we read in the Bible. And anyone who lives or spends a lot of time with someone in a wheelchair, you know it's hard to get in and out of buildings sometimes. There's always a way in, because we'll find it, but sometimes it's hard to get in. And that is one of the sayings of, of those of us in the Deshin community. There's always a way in. And in Mark 2, they found their way in. And what they did was they created the first elevator. They lifted the guy onto the roof, tore a hole into the roof, and lowered him down at Jesus' feet. What I love about that story is this man is surrounded by a community of people who make sure that though his abilities were different than theirs, he had everything he needed to be a full member of their community. To be our friend, we got to carry you on a stretcher. That's okay, we can do that. To get you to Jesus, we got to tear a hole in the roof. That's okay, we can do that. And I find that moving. And so I want 
to invite you to ask the question this morning, what's your ministry to people of all abilities? Maybe you've never asked that question, and I'm going to walk you through three reasons why I think you should ask that question. And the first reason you should ask that question is that ministry to people of all abilities will connect you to the heart of the Father. Ministry to people of all abilities will connect you to the heart of the Father. I want to be honest, it's okay if you're sitting there like, I don't know, man, this is, uh, I'm just uncomfortable sometimes when I'm around someone with unique needs. I don't know how to respond or what, that's okay. I was there. I remember going to our first conference, uh, Parent Project for Muscular Dystrophy, and I had never seen that many wheelchairs in one place. They were everywhere. And what was uniquely hard is, in the case of Duchenne, most of them were uh, younger boys, between 10 and 14 or 15 in wheelchairs. And that was a hard sight for me to see. Uh, both knowing that was my own son's future, but also just this is not the way it's supposed to be. And so it was hard at first. Now I cannot imagine not being surrounded by people in wheelchairs. And you can get there too because that, that changed me. Like, my orientation to the world has changed because of my connection to people with special needs. And it's changed me in a couple of ways. One, it's, it's given me a far greater orientation to the new heavens and new earth. In American suburban Christianity, with a lot of wealth and pleasure available to us, we live in this world pretty comfortably without longing for the next. And I'm just not there anymore. There's not a day go by I don't think about what I want in the world to come. And of course, we're supposed to live that way as Christians. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. The time is near. There are constant warnings to us Christians to not lose sight of the world to come, to be on guard. You minister to people with special needs, you'll enter into that life, the longing of the world to come. But the second thing it did for me, it, just, it got me back on mission. What does the church exist for? It's to love people and to do what Jesus did. To say we've come to seek and save the lost and nothing else matters but that. But friends, how many of us come into the church and the only thing that we communicate that matters is that God loves people and we exist to seek and save the lost? This is actually tough for me as a pastor because Churches tend to forget that and actually spend more of their time debating and arguing, what color are our carpets? What music expression should we have on a Sunday morning? Who's preaching and what are they preaching? And to a dying world that thinks there's no God and no one's told them that there is a God and that he loves them deeply, we're off arguing about things that do not matter. And I just can't go there anymore. <laughs> I love people, and so everything that matters to people matters to me. But when I see the church lost in secondary discussions, and then I go into a room full of boys with the shin, it's like I, got, I can't bring them into that space because all I want them to know is God loves them, and we lose our way here sometimes. And I'm grateful for that because it's actually made me more compassionate over time as a pastor 
I understand there's lots of ways to understand church, but I will not forget the only reason we exist is to continue the mission of Jesus, which was to seek and save the lost. To find the Zacchaeuses up in the tree who think they don't have a place in the kingdom of God and say, get down here, we're going to your house today. And I'm grateful for that. Isaiah's diagnosis has given me such a heart to love people through disagreement because I believe every person God loves deeply and wants to find them and bring them home into the kingdom. And I want to be in a church that's like that as well. And were you to take up ministry to people of all abilities, you'd find that vision and heart as well. God's deep love for every person coming through you. The second reason I want to invite you to ask that question is ministry to people of all abilities will deepen your ability to receive from the Father. Because we all have needs. And yet in our rugged, individualistic, John Wayne society, I can do it myself. Leave me alone. I don't need your help. And none of that's true. I need other people. And my son's daily life reveals to me my own needs. I need to be cared for like this, spiritually by my father, but also by other people. I can't do this alone. And I think a life where you're receiving from other people their care and their, their, their tenderness, you turn into a person that's more likely to receive from the father. I mean, honestly, the most spiritually profound things I've heard spoken over the last few years have all come from people with special needs. So I was at Johnny and Friends uh, this past summer. My favorite moment from that camp was a, a, a guy named J-Dub. And J-Dub, uh, he had intellectual disabilities. He's also blind. But my man, he just loved God. And so I go up to him one day, J-Dub, what's your favorite part of today so far, Johnny and Friends? And I'm thinking, like, it's the ice cream. It's the zip line. Because I heard him yelling going down the zip line. Like, he loved it. So I'm thinking, it's something he did. That's going to be his answer. What's your favorite part of today? It's not what he said. My favorite part of today was the worship and making sure other people are happy. Some deeply uh, smart theologian at one point goes to Jesus and says, what's the most important commandment? Jesus' answer, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. J-Dub's translation of that is worship and making sure other people are happy. People have asked me how I'm doing, what's going on, how's your life, what's your favorite, what what are you enjoying? I've never answered Jesus' answer to the greatest commandment in my life. I've never heard any Christian give that answer in their life. J-Dub, that's Tuesday. Worship. Making sure other people are happy. Because when you live a life of receiving You receive from the Father and you become like Him. The third reason why I think you should ask that question is we as a church need to minister to people and families with special needs because it's a community that's often forgotten and left behind. That my family can't do what most families can do with ease. If you invite us over for dinner, we probably can't get into your house. There's always a way I might tear a roof into your house, but it's hard. If you go hiking in the dunes, we can't come with you. 
we have limitations that others don't. And over time, it's just the natural rhythms of life. Families begin to be left behind because what you assume to be normal, we can't assume is normal for us. We have lots of doctor's appointments. I deal with insurance for long periods of time. And honestly, a big part of my processing whether or not to come here and serve as as a lead pastor is I was very clear with the elders. I don't have the time availability most pastors will have. I have more commitments to my family that have to be rock solid to care for my son in the way I need to care for him. I'm not as available to people as I might otherwise want to be. And in the midst of those rhythms, it's easy for us to get left behind. That's why divorce rates are far, far higher in special needs families. The stat I've heard among Jashin families like ours is the divorce rate is somewhere between 80 and 90%. We experience higher rates of loneliness and isolation. And my belief is the church, because we've taken up Jesus' mission of Luke 19.10, to seek and save the lost, well, I think some of the most lost people among us in Valpo and Chesterton are those who have special or unique abilities. And so if... uh, If you're moved at all to ask this question, what might your ministry to people of special needs be or people of all abilities be? I want to lay out uh, four thoughts, four possible next steps. The first is we have a sensory room every Sunday where if we have a student or someone come in who has unique sensory needs and they can't sit through one of our worship services, Then we have a room for them where we can go and share the love of Jesus with them in a way that will meet their sensory needs. And oftentimes then we can actually have their parents have an hour to hear the gospel preached over them to be loved on while we have people who love and serve their kids. We do that every week here. And we need more volunteers. Might that be what you're invited into? Secondly, um, serve at Johnny and Friends. This summer in June, we'll have uh, three weeks. I would love to see some of you with me at Johnny and Friends next week. It will change your life, I promise you. Uh, we'll have people, uh, Todd uh, and Rachel Bauer, who are just amazing people. Uh, Todd leads those camps. Uh, we'll have uh, um, Bethany Thomas is out there. They'll be rocking Johnny and Friends shirts. Go talk to them and say, I don't know how to do it or what to do, but I want to help. Because if you want to know how to love and serve people with special needs, They will teach you and lead you into it, and you'll go from uh, overwhelmed to expert in a couple of days. Give a week of your life this week to special needs families and take up the ministry of Jesus to the deaf, the blind, those who can't walk. Do it and then see what happens to your faith. Third uh, possibility might be you need to learn sign language so we can have more people down here preaching to those of us who, who can't hear yet among us. And every Sunday I feel for this crew because I don't know how they do what I'm preaching right now. <laughs> I feel like it's sometimes the, the sign is just, I don't know what he's saying. He's talking too fast. <laughs> but God loves you and he loves Tim and someday we'll get him to slow down. Fourth, and this might surprise you, but hear me out. 
give financially. That we're, we have three events coming up in the next few weeks. And some of you have been wondering, waiting, when are we going to lay out some of what we were thinking about doing ministry-wise and how that relates to our buildings in the next couple of years? Well, we have three events coming up. And if you volunteer here or if this is your church home, we want you to come to one of these nights. One of them will be November 11th at our, uh, Val, our Laporte campus. November 13th here at Chesterton, and November 20th at our Valpo campus. Even if you can't make the Chesterton one, still go to Laporte or Valpo because they'll be very similar to one another. And if you come about here and hear about the future vision of our church, you're going to hear about ministry to special needs families. And there's two things we want to do. First, we want to build a better sensory room here in Chesterton, to serve families who have that need. Currently, you have to go downstairs. I think there's a Sherpa somewhere you meet up with, and he takes you the rest of the way. We want to fire the Sherpa and just put the room that's easy to find. And we'll need help. We need financial means to do that. Secondly, uh, we're asking the question, could we hire a missionary to special needs families among our staff. And we hire someone just to say, go, go find those families, love them, and try to bring them into our church family. And we need financial means to do that. And so we call you to generosity to make that happen. So that's my heart. That's our hope. And we have a long way to go as a church and so I'm going to say a little bit more from Mark 2 and then be in my seat. Uh, so these guys tear open the roof, uh, lower the paralytic down in front of Jesus. And does anyone remember what Jesus says in response? So in this room, someone knows. Shout it out. Your sins are forgiven. It's the most offensive thing Jesus could have possibly said. I mean, it offended everyone in the room. It offended the guys that lowered Jesus down in front of him. That's not why they brought him. And Jesus knows that. It offended the Pharisees. Because to claim you can forgive someone's sins is to claim to be God. And no one misunderstood Jesus on that front. So Jesus says something that literally offends everyone. And then he enters into a little interesting conversation. He asks the question, well, what's harder to say? Take up your mat and walk? Or your sins are forgiven? And that's an interesting question. It's an interesting question to someone like me who has a son who cannot walk. And while I can't prove it, the word in Mark 2 that's used, paralytic literally means to become slack, the failure of the knees and the hips. And that sounds like Duchenne to me. And I can't prove it, but the fact he's even on a mat, he's laying down as an older person, would suggest this is potentially Duchenne. And it would be enormously difficult to say to someone with Duchenne, get up and walk. You'd have to be able to rewrite their genetic code with your words. 
So that's really hard to say to someone who can't walk. Get up and take your mat and walk. So how difficult is it to say your sins are forgiven? Well, we don't know yet in Mark 2, but you and I live in 2,000 years after that. We do know how hard it was for Jesus to say that. It was the Son of God coming into our world, walking for three years while the religious people hated him, and finally put him on a cross and murdered him in a publicly shameful way to be buried in the ground. That's how hard it is to say your sins are forgiven. Of course, Jesus raised, or God raised Jesus to new life, and that becomes our, our gospel. And so suddenly, Jesus' words to John the Baptist, blessed is the one who's not offended by me, is not as difficult for me to hear. Yes, John the Baptist will die in prison. Yes, in my life, and in many of yours, there will be great pain and disappointment. You will not see the healing that you long for. And it will make you wonder, how can God do this? Why do some of our bodies have different abilities than others? Why do, why do some of us carry diseases that don't get healed? All of those questions are fair to ask of God, and I ask them frequently. But I have to ask them to someone who hung on a tree to forgive my sins, to heal me, and to give me new life. So that he could look at all of us in this room, regardless of what, our, what needs healed in us, whether it's a physical condition in our bodies or a spiritual wound we carry with us, so that he could look at all of us and say to us with power one day, take up your mat and walk. Let me pray. Father, we all come with incredible need. Some of us know it and are in tune with it, and we're ready to eat communion, receive our salvation. Uh, some of us aren't ready yet. We're self-sufficient. We're doing it ourselves. And we've not yet tasted the full reality of what Jesus has given to forgive us, to heal us, and to bring us home. And so, God, I pray now we, we could just slow down. And hear those words Jesus spoke to the paralytic, now to us, in our, our own needy, broken conditions. Your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and walk. Now, Spirit, use those words now to bring us nearer to your heart, to the heart of the Father. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we, we are going to take uh, communion um, now. So if you're a Christian and your faith is in Jesus, uh, we want to invite you to his, his table. Um, come in groups of five to seven, take the bread, uh, dip it into the juice, and then eat it together with the instruction of those serving you. If you're not yet a Christian, this meal's not yet for you, which means uh, you can hang in your seat for a while, and because we believe God is seeking you, wherever you are, ask him. God, show yourself. And we trust he will if you have the eyes to see, the ears um, to hear. So take this space, probably been busy running all week. You got the next few minutes just to sit and rest and reach out to the Father who's seeking you. So take this time, we pray.
Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.